With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Fruit Loops, episode 16. I hope we got the number right. (laughs) And thank you for listening. (laughs) Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we do not hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are white. There are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because the news is racist. And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. We are not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294. Yes. Uh, I don't know how that's all going to, the voicemails are going to play out, but let's just give it a try. Yeah, we'll give it a shot. You guys Why have not? to say. Yeah. <laughs> We need to let you guys know that we are going to be taking a short break. So there will be no new episodes for the next two weeks, but uh, we will be back at it before you know it. Yep. Okay. That was pretty exciting commentary (laughs) by me. (laughs) (laughs) Beth with the fire. Can you hear my gunshot? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brother. Sorry. <laughs> I just think it's a fun sound. <laughs> it is a fun sound. <laughs> so before we get into the episode, who are we talking about today? We are talking about Rory Enrique Conde, also known as the Tamiami Trail Strangler. Well, um, let's check our mailbag and see if we have Woo-hoo. any listener letters. Oh, look, there's one right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so 
I'm so ridiculous. Okay. We got, we got a lovely note from a listener on Instagram. Uh, her name is Disco Bloodbath. Hello. Said, just found your podcast and I love it so far. You two are great. Heart emoji. Thank you, girl. Then she went on to say, I binged the first six episodes yesterday. Can't wait to listen to the rest. And I will definitely be recommending you to all of my friends. So to you, our gorgeous disco bloodbath girlfriend, we love you too for listening. We see you, boo. Yeah, thanks so much. Yes. So, Beth, how are you? What's new? I'm tired, as usual. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. Too okay. much work. Okay. It's but all right. um, yeah. But uh, exciting news! I got uh, some buttons in the mail this week. <gasps> merch? Yes, merch! Yay! Oh my god! I'm so excited! So, I, I'm really excited oh, about that. <laughs> oh man, my heart is full. I love the merch. I can't. I can't wait to distribute it. Everybody listening. Yeah. Um. Well. I too am tired. It has been quite a long week. Almost, it, it feels like a, we've. I've, it feels like somebody dropped me in a blender and uh, <laughs> put it on pulse. Like, and I, I like, I'm. I there's so much going on in the world. I'm angry. I'm afraid. I'm sad. So I'm trying to find things that make me less so. Like, um, one of my go tos for self care is reality TV. I just turn it on and tune out. Um, I also love the Wendy Williams show. Um, the Braxton family values episode, um, just aired this week where they were on Iyanla Van Zant. And before we were recording this show, I had to sit down and watch the Kardashians. I just <laughs> love watching it and turning my brain off. Um, also the good TV is back now that it's fall. So I indulged in this is us. Do you watch that? I don't. Oh my God, because, you need to. Because everybody says it makes them cry and I don't want to cry. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. But it also makes, it makes your, I mean, it, like my heart, it's just, it, the show's got so much heart and so much family and so much love. So it's, it's a great show. So I love watching that. Also, Law & Order SVU is back. Hello. Yeah, I Woo, it was good. It was good. And I love SVU so much that I have a choreographed dance to the theme song. And um, <laughs> so, so my, but my husband hates my dance. And so he'll, he'll like he'll be real sneaky and like fast forward it, th- you know, through the theme song. And I'm, so, I'm, I have to be so like, so you no, can't do your you dance. To, so I can't do my dance. You need to rewind that old whitey. So I can do my dance so I can feel free and full of joy. Amen. So anyway, <laughs> That reminds me of when my daughter and I, did you ever watch Buffy, Buffy the Vampire? Oh, hell yes. Oh, yeah. yes. And Angel. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Her boyfriend, her vampire boyfriend. <laughs> my oh, daughter yes. and I, Tell me more. <laughs> we had songs for the, the beginnings. <laughs> the, intro song, the intro music, we used to sing songs. I can't remember how they go now, but. <laughs> so you would like free, you would freestyle to the theme song of yes. Buffy? Yes. Oh my God! You guys got bars. 
Oh, I wish I could be a fly on the wall. Oh, that sounds so nice and fun. So anyway, fun. wherever wherever we can find some joy these days, please, please indulge. Yeah. Please get at us, you know, at us, tweet us, Instagram us. What? Where are you finding joy these days? Please tell us. That'd be great to hear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love to know how you guys are, are keeping it together. So um, <laughs> any... Uh, Serial killer or crime news? I don't have any this week. How about you? Well, in terms of crime, be prepared to be triggered, everybody, because sexual assault <laughs> is all over the news. Um, it's a conversation we've had many times in the zeitgeist, and we still can't seem to get it right. Um, mm-hmm. Judge Kavanaugh now has four accusers of sexual assault. In the same week, Bill Cosby was sentenced to three to 10 years in prison for the rape of Andrea Constand, but we know he had 50 more, 50 more victims, over 50 victims, um, who came forward anyway. Um, also wild is that our good old, old true crime friend, OJ Simpson weighed in <laughs> and suggested that Cosby just would not do very well in prison because of the nature of his crimes and his age. So, uh, fuck you. But anyway, it is his impressional professional recommendation that Cosby serve his sentence in his house on house arrest. <laughs> like, like he has oh, a choice. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I just want to stay home. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure thing, bro. You know, um, it's probably possible for somebody like Bill Cosby, but um, I know, most of I us know don't which is so unfortunate. Most of us don't get yeah. that luxury of deciding and having OJ mm-hmm. on our side. OJ's playing his yeah. case for him. Get out of here. <laughs> anyway, Kavanaugh's alleged crimes are of the same spirit as Cosby's substances and sexual assault. And the allegations came out in the same timeline. Um, Cosby was accused and tried 30 years later and Kavanaugh is um, accused 30 years later. And I do have to point out, I think um, several of the crimes uh, he is alleged to have committed when he was a teenager, but there are also some allegations that came out of us of things that he did in the nineties um, when he was an adult. Um, so what I think is strange is the black guy gets prison time and the white guy goes to the Supreme court. <laughs> so shame on all of these men, shame on the system. Um, shout out to Dr. Blasey Ford for having the guts to testify about the crimes committed against her so publicly. Um, and thank you for being so brave. Also, thank you to Anita Hill. We cannot forget about the woman who blazed, unfortunately had to blaze yeah. his trail for all of us. Yeah. Um, so to say it's unfortunate how sex crimes are handled in the USA is an understatement. Uh, another example I wanted to point it to was Emmett Till. Ever heard of him? He was he was accused of whistling at a white lady, and they pulled him out of his house, strung him from a tree, cut off his genitals, um, oh. mutilated his body. Um, lynched him in the most horrific way um and by the way that white lady confirmed in 2014 that she actually lied about what Emma did oh, to him boy. so no biggie some people are falsely accused but many are not and we should believe the victims we should investigate and then move forward with due process the best thing to do if somebody says they were attacked assaulted or molested is to say i'm sorry that happened to you and then you know do the rest later there's no need to call everybody a false accuser because 
Many a right. times they're not. So, yeah. so um, after all that terrible news, now we're going to talk about some more terrible <laughs> fucked up some shit. Some more terrible stuff. <laughs> yeah. so Here we, we go with the fucked up shit. That's right. <laughs> fucked up shit on the menu. Oh, yeah, well, please. speaking of which. Uh, let's dive into our subject. Take it away, Beth. Okay. Um, Rory Enrique Conde, also known as the Tamayambi Trail Strangler was a Latinx serial killer in Miami, Florida. Conde is considered by some to be white, but others as Latino. Um, Step over to Culture Corner with Beth and Wendy uh, as we discuss <laughs> what the hell that means. <laughs> um, I think it's fair to say that um, some Latinx people um, get the privilege of being able to identify as white Um based on their complexion and the confines of colorism and the history of colonialism. And surprise, surprise, there is racism and colorism in Latin America. Also, it's not just the United States. It's safer to be white or European-ish. And if you can fit in that box, you get to reap the benefits of whiteness. So I saw Conde referred to as white and also saw him referred to as Hispanic, which is misleading. Um, Hispanic implies that your nation of origin was colonized by Spain. Um, but most people um, interchange the term Latino and Hispanic and uh, exclude Europeanness slash whiteness from that concept. Um, and you shouldn't do that. Uh, Latino refers uh, more to persons or communities of Latin American origin. So while there is a significant overlap between the groups, Latinos includes Haitians and Belizeans and everybody in Central America and the, and, and the Caribbean. There is not one country in Latin America, including Mexico and Colombia, that don't have black people because of, well, slavery. Um, so, for example, um, Brazilians are Latino, but they are not Hispanic. Um, their nation is in Latin America, but they don't speak Spanish and were not colonized by Spaniards. Um, so thank you for stepping in Culture Corner with Beth and Wendy. <laughs> well, you also schooled me oh. because I didn't know that oh. about um, Hispanics. I didn't know that. Yes. Well, so thank you. You are very welcome. Um, and so, um, yeah, because I, I, I kind of get um, I get frustrated on those stupid ass questionnaires that ask Hispanic or Latino. And I'm like, come on. Right. <laughs> the, the question isn't phrased very, very properly. Um, and I, you know, I think it's easy to use the words interchangeably, but they're not the same thing. Right. Um, so right. with that said, let's dive into some stats. All right. <laughs> Senor, <laughs> Senor Conde, a.k.a. the Tamiami Trail Strangler, killed six female sex workers. And I got to step in here and say um, lots of the publications describe the women as prostitutes. That's no longer um, a proper term to use. And we might have used it in a past episode, actually. And for that, we are sorry. Um, but like always, uh, when you know better, you do better. Yeah, and I wanted to mention that in some of the news articles that I read at the, that were published at the time, which is the mid-90s, mm -hmm. this guy was referred to as the Tamiami Trail Prostitute Strangler. 
Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's gross. His crimes. It was the 90s. It was, the, it was a different time. Uh, Murphy Brown was on. Uh, we were watching Friends. <laughs> uh, his crimes occurred in Tamiami, Florida. They uh, occurred from September 17th, 1994 to January 12th, 1995. That's 117 days. Um, Not very long. No. His MO was strangulation and necrophilia. He uh, actually had anal sex Mm. with the corpses. Uh. Yeah. And uh, he was apprehended on January 26th, 1995. Although, are we we kink shaming him by looking down on him for practicing necrophilia? Okay, his early life. Uh, Rory was born on uh, June 14th in 1965. Uh, That's the year of my birth. Hey, it was a very good year. (laughs) (laughs) He was born in Colombia. And Rory's mom died when he was six months old. And I read differing accounts of how she died. Uh, So I I didn't say how she died because I don't really know. Some of them said that she had tetanus and there was a botched abortion, but I I really wasn't sure. And sometimes they, people will add in stuff like that to Mm -hmm. make the story more interesting. Yeah. Or make it worse or something like, uh, his mom had an abortion, you know? So of course he became a serial killer, you know? Oh, (laughs) that's fucked up. So yeah. And I saw it in a couple of places, but um, in other places, it was different. So I, I don't know how she died, but she died okay. when he was about six months old. And then he was raised by his grandmother, uh, Maria Cojas. And it was alleged that at some point when he was a baby between six months and a year old, he was sexually molested by his uncles, Carlos and Alfredo. And that's another one where... It was reported in some places and not in other places, so I don't know if that's true, but okay. it was reported. Okay. Well, uh, when Rory was two, his father, Gustavo Conde, left his family to live in the U.S. When Rory was 12, he and his older sister, Nelly moved to Miami in 1979 to live with their father. Um, the relationship between Conde and his father was strained, and it has been alleged that his father emotionally and sexually abused him. And Rory met his wife, Carla, when he was 19, and she was, get this, 13. All right, I can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> and then they were married two years later, so she was 15, and he was 21. Oh, and then his... His son, Rory Jr., was born in 1987 or 1988. And then his daughter, Lydia, was born in 93 or 94. Conde seemed like an average guy. He worked as a building supply salesman and did uh, odd jobs for friends. He even kept the keys to one of his elderly neighbor's apartment in case she had an emergency. But Carla complained that he was an abusive husband. She said that for most of their seven-year marriage, Rory was basically a terrorist. He would kick and punch his wife, drag her by the hair until she had rug burns, threaten Mm. her with a gun, grabbed her by the throat, 
and once oh, tried boy. to suffocate her with a pillow. Yikes. You know what that abuse yeah. sounds like? Remember Wolf of Wall Street? How, when he like I never his saw wife, that his movie. pregnant wife. Oh, Ugh, I never saw that movie because it sounded gross. <laughs> it is so <laughs> gross. I mean, I, I'm I have no doubt that um, it is very accurate. I also believe that men in those C suites are still like that today. Um, but he was such an asshole to her. Like punched her in the stomach when she was pregnant. I know it was a movie, but like it was an intense Ugh, uh, domestic yeah. violence. Anyway, uh, Rory would beat Carla if their house wasn't clean enough when he got home from work and if their children left messes. Carla thought that his outbursts were due to him having been abused sexually as a child. In 1992, he was in jail for a short while over a fight he had with Carla. Rory had been bringing sex workers home with Car- without Carla's knowledge, and he videotaped one of them wearing his wife's lingerie and masturbating on their bed. When Mm. Carla discovered the tape, she confronted her husband with it, and it was this fight that landed him in jail, and it was at this point that Carla learned that Conde was using the services of sex workers. After his release, they moved to Trail Heights Gardens and lived in a condo. By now, they were essentially estranged. They stopped having sex, and he would disappear during the night. And he would tell his wife he was out fishing. However, he never smelled like fish <laughs> and would come back home with his back scratched. What does that mean, ladies? <laughs> Carla, this is gross. <laughs> Carla once followed her husband out and discovered him masturbating outside of a neighbor's window. No, ma'am. <laughs> It has also been alleged that he would spy through the bathroom keyhole on Carla's friends when they used the bathroom in their home. (laughs) No, ma'am. No, (laughs) ma'am. Not in my house. Uh, Uh -uh. By July 1994, Carla had enough and moved to her parents' house with their two children. Rory was upset and depressed. He told her that if poor she, guy. I know, I know. What? What did he do to deserve <laughs> what did, this? What did I do? What did I do? Why are you so mad? I'm such a good husband. <laughs> right? Right? I wrote the manual. Oh, God. <laughs> I apologize, listeners. I am a little under the weather. So sometimes my voice sounds really sexy, and sometimes it sounds really <laughs> gross. Uh, <laughs> he told her that if she dated anyone else, he would kill her. Eight weeks later, the Tamiami Trail Strangler took his first victim. Let's get into the setting. Let's paint the picture. Okay. The setting is Miami in the 1990s. Uh, So I'm going to get into a little history of Miami. Uh, There was something called the the Mariel Boatlift of 1980, Mm -hmm. and it brought 150,000 Cubans to Miami. Whoa. Welcome to Miami. Yeah. They were fleeing Cuba. And uh, during this time, many of the middle-class non-Hispanic whites in the community left the city. So Mm -hmm. in 1960, Miami was 90% non-Hispanic white. But by 1990, 
it was only about 10% non-Hispanic white. Whoa, quite a shift. Yeah. In the 1980s, Miami started to see an increase in immigrants from other nations, such as Haiti. As the Haitian population grew in Miami, the area known as Little Haiti emerged. In 1985, Xavier Suarez was elected as mayor of Miami, becoming the first Cuban mayor of the city. So the city's becoming much blacker and browner. Yes. In the 1980s, Miami became one of the United States' largest transshipment point for cocaine hey. from Col- Colombia, Bolivia, and Peru. The drug industry brought... Shout out to cocaine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, the drug industry brought million- billions, billions of dollars into Miami. Billions? Billions, which Dude, were quickly what? funneled. <laughs> They were quickly funneled through front organizations into the local economy. Luxury car dealerships, five-star hotels, condominium developments, swanky nightclubs, major commercial developments, and other signs of prosperity began rising all over the city. Ooh, bienvenido a Miami. As the money (laughs) arrived, so did a violent crime wave that lasted through the early 1990s. The popular television program, Miami Vice, no thank you, which dealt with counter-narcotics <laughs> agents in an idyllic... Uh, do you watch that show? Did you I, ever watch I, that show? I didn't okay. at, at the time, but I remember it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and how which popular dealt- it was and how stupid it was. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, but, but I have to say, huh. one of the main characters was Black, so... Oh, I didn't know this. I thought it was just yeah. a white guy with long hair and floating shirts. No, oh. it, was the, it was a couple of guys. They were partners, I think. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I never really watched the show, but I think I probably watched a few episodes. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the the main guy, what the hell was his name? He was married to Melanie Griffith, uh, the white guy. Oh. You know what? It was Crockett and Tubbs, right? Crockett and Tubbs. Uh, <laughs> How do I know that? <laughs> I think Tubbs was the black guy. Know. Oh, there is I a don't... black guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ricardo Tubbs and Sonny Crockett. Detectives. There we go. There we go. Oh, yeah. okay. It is a black guy on the show. <laughs> Whoops. So, yeah. Whoops, I'm they, sorry. But it was, it was a dumb show. <laughs> Uh, I apologize <laughs> to everybody who's a fan of Miami Vice. It's just my opinion. Yes, sincerely, <laughs> sincerely. <laughs> so the popular television program, Miami Vice, I still say no thank you. But anyway, <laughs> dealt with counter-narcotics agents in an idyllic upper-class rendition of Miami, spread the city's image as one of America's most glamorous paradises. Have you ever been to Miami? Um, You've been to every state. I, <laughs> I think I've probably driven through it because we lived in um, West Palm Beach for a while and we were only no there. No way. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> We only lived there for about six months. My dad was transferred okay. there. We thought they were. We thought we were going to move there. As soon as he got transferred there, he got transferred somewhere else. So they oh. had like bought a house and everything, and then found out Whoa. he was going to be transferred again. So they had to get out of, uh, back out oh of that deal. God. 
and they rented a house. So since they knew that we were not going to be there for very long, uh, almost every weekend we would go on road trips. So we went to like the Keys and... Um, oh my gosh. The west side, the west coast. I I don't remember every uh-huh. place we went, but uh yeah, we drove around a lot there, so we probably drove through oh it. Oh my gosh. One thing I I I love Miami, the food, the culture, the weather. Um but I definitely did not feel like I was attractive enough or wealthy enough to to like be there for any extended <laughs> amount of time. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we lived in West Palm Beach. So right across the canal was Palm Beach. And oh. uh, yeah, that's okay. very similar. <laughs> like, okay. And, but West Palm Beach, <laughs> well, it's the bad side of town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. I thought it was the the part where all the old um, white people are. Palm Beach. Palm Beach is the, oh, the that, okay. but West Palm Beach um, is on the other side of the canal. So Palm Beach okay. is actually on kind of an island. Um, oh. Yeah, there's a canal in between Palm Beach and, and West Palm Beach. Oh, Okay. Yeah, it's kind of anybody kinda listening. Weird, but... Tell us about your Miami experience, your Florida experiences. Florida experiences. <laughs> Hashtag Florida experience. <laughs> the beaches are great. That's that's my Florida Agreed. experience. <laughs> Agreed. My, uh, my, uh, I was gonna say my husband and I had sex on the beach Ooh. in Miami. <laughs> the the drink, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The drink. The drink. <laughs> all right where are we (laughs) Um, all right so oh oh. in 1992 hurricane andrew caused more than 20 billion in damage just south of the miami-dade area several financial Mm. scandals involving the mayor's office and city commission during the 80s and 90s left miami with the title of the united states fourth poorest city by 1996 so not looking My good for Miami. Changed. Yeah. No, 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 Miami. You need to <laughs> clean up, mommy. Um, the Tamiami Trail is nickname is is the nickname given to the final section of Highway 41 from Tampa through Miami. It is one of the state's oldest landmarks, a 250 mile highway that begins in Miami's Little Havana and runs through the heart of Tampa. Completed in the 1920s, the two-lane blacktop remains the state's southernmost east-west link and a scenic byway through the Everglades. So, now let's... Dive in to the timeline. On September 16th, 1994, the body of sex worker Lazaro Jessica Comasana, 27, was found on the Tamiami Trail. And uh, Lazaro was transgender. And Conde killed them, her, when Conde found out that Comasana had male genitalia during sex. We don't know what pronoun Kamasana preferred, but out of respect for their memory and their community, we will use them, they, to refer to Kamasana. 
Amen. Uh, Conde later explained he killed Komasana out of his anger about Komasana's deception and his belief that his wife and children left him because of the sex workers. Rory kneeled over Komasana's body for 10 minutes while he blamed them for the loss of his wife and children. Then Conde made a sign of the cross over Komisana's body. Conde redressed the body, drove to the Tamiyami Trail, and dumped it on the front lawn of a suburban home. Komisana had a mm-hmm. tattoo on their right shoulder that read, Little Dreamer. That's sad. Uh, Komisana's body sad. was found by a newspaper delivery boy. So, um... By the way, trans men and women, especially those of color, are uh, discriminated against in housing and in em- employment. So imagine getting a job and upon hiring, your employer finds out that you were born a gender that you don't currently identify with or that they hired you as. And um, because of the discrimination that they faced, many have to turn to sex work just to survive. And sometimes in doing that work, they can encounter men Um, who might hurt them if the John feels deceived or angry or embarrassed that they were just intimate with a trans person. And unfortunately, there is little justice for trans people of color. Um, Conde did not show up for work the day after he killed Komisana. And three weeks later, on October 8, 1994, Conde killed sex worker Elisa Daphne Martinez, 44. Uh, She preferred Daphne. This was a woman that Conde had met before, so he knew knew her. And um, she was found strangled, redressed, and her body was abandoned near a small park in a quiet neighborhood with only one exit to the Tamiami Trail. Conde was paranoid that he might be caught, but he was so angry about losing his family that he continued to kill. And on November 20th, 1974, what did I say? 74. <laughs> On <laughs> November 20th, 1994, Conde killed his third victim. Uh, he did not travel back in time. It was in 1994, <laughs> not 74. Uh, Charity, Charity Nava, and she was 23. Her body was found lying face down by a man who lived in the neighborhood just yards, aw- yards away from his driveway in West Miami. The killer left a note written in black marker and loopy letters on Charity's back and buttocks. Have you seen the picture yet? I have. Of this? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, it was, first of all, it was very difficult to find. Um, but when I found it, I was like, wow, had to rub my eyes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. The message read third and a happy face dotted the eye. I will call Dwight Chan 10. See if you can catch me. Uh, using two eyes instead of the word C. Dwight was in reference to local TV reporter Dwight Lauderdale. This message alerted investigators to the fact that these murders were related, that they had a serial killer on their hands, and that he would likely not stop until he was caught. Due to the message and the locations where these bodies were found, authorities believed that the killer wanted these victims found and that he wanted credit for the murders. At this point, police took the case to the media, hoping that the exposure would yield some clues before the killer struck again. This generated, this is wild, 5,000 leads to narrow the leads down. Police sought the help 
of FBI criminal profilers. Shout out to those profilers. Yeah. On November 25th, 1994, five days after Charity's murder, Rory had Thanksgiving dinner with Carla and her family. He left around 10 without saying goodbye, feeling rejected and angry. Uh, Sad face. Yeah. Later that evening, he strangled and killed sex worker Wanda Crawford, who was 38. Look, if he just wanted more mashed potatoes, he could have just asked asked, for some. He didn't have to kill somebody. Motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Look, man, if you wanted to go plate with some great cranberry sauce and turkey, I will give it to you. You do not need to be so angry. Uh, so he dumped her body on the Tamayama Trail, a block away from his estranged wife's house. Wanda was left in a high traffic area, the parking lot of an apartment complex. Mm. Examining the evidence, profilers determined that the killer was most likely Hispanic. Good job, guys. <laughs> he lived in the area and he craved attention. Good job. They surmised that he was a controlled killer because he left no visible trauma on the bodies, what they referred to as a soft kill, but he carried around a lot of built-up anger. I know that's right. Yeah. Uh, they did not expect to find a criminal history of unfettered violence, such as uh, bar fights and things like that. They also determined that he had redressed the victims, which they said indicated that he was softening the impact of the scene uh, of so mm-hmm. you know finding a dead body. Yeah, and I, well, I was just gonna say it also. I don't know. It seems like like a way of caring for the body. Yeah, I don't know. It does by putting the clothes back on. Yeah, it does. Oh, I mean, Go ahead. Uh, it's kind of a weird dichotomy mm-hmm. that he could uh, kill this person, but then care enough to redress them. I don't know. It's weird. Put their clothes back yeah. on so they're not so embarrassed or ashamed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of weird, um, but you know, all of this Very is much pretty so. weird. So, <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> uh, so, uh, re- softening the the impact of the scene was also another indicator that he was controlled. On December seventeenth, nineteen ninety four, Conde picked up Nicole Schneider. She was twenty eight, and he killed her. She had last been seen alive about 3 a.m. that day, soliciting along the Tamiami Trail. Schneider's body was found at daybreak, fully clothed and face down in a trailer park not far from the Tamiami Trail, and within a block of a shopping center where police had set up a command post during a prostitution decoy operation. That's pretty bold. Ah, uh, you are telling me. <laughs> <laughs> he said, see if you can catch yeah, me. yeah. He did say yep. that. Sometime after that, an individual walking along the Tamiami Trail found Polaroid photographs of a man writing in marker on a woman's body. So it was a picture of a man, and he was drawing on a woman's body in marker on her belly, and mm-hmm. it looked like she was passed mm-hmm. out or, or dead. Uh, but they identified mm-hmm. the man as a drug dealer named Eddie Rowe. And he lived near the Tamiami Trail. Many of the victims had ties to Roe and had even been to his house. So police thought they had their killer. I mean, it sounds pretty good. But investigating further, they discovered that Roe had been in jail during the time of the murders. Shoot. But just to make sure, they 
they asked him for a DNA sample and it was not a match. Hmm. Well, back to the drawing board, fellas. Yep. On January 13th, 1995, Rory Conde picked up sex worker Rhonda Dunn and took her to his apartment. After twice engaging in sexual relations, Dunn got up to go to the bathroom. Conde followed her and began to manually strangle her from behind. See, I have this thing. I don't like people to walk behind me mm-hmm. for this very reason. You know, dudes are always like, after you. And I'm like, no, no motherfucker, you go after first. you. I don't want you to strangle me. <laughs> I, you know, I never thought about that, but um, I was reading uh, something online. Uh, a woman was talking about uh, an experience that she had uh, where she she was raped. And um, oh, no he he came at her from behind like the, this situation and um mm-hmm. now she can't deal with it if anybody is behind her and it's not something i ever oh, thought it's too... about it's triggering oh interesting. if anybody is behind her yeah. she can't oh, deal with it understandably so yeah. wow so um done remember Rhonda done and condi struggled uh and fell to the floor, but Dunn eventually died from asphyxiation. She did put up a hell of a fight though. Um, and then I was thinking when we wrote, I wrote in the script, she put up a fight. Remember the movie Grease when, uh, you know, it's super problematic, <laughs> especially given that yeah. we are in me, the me too, hashtag me too. And hashtag why I didn't report. And the song goes, tell me more, tell me more. Did she put up a fight? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, <laughs> That's so rapey. <laughs> and I didn't realize that. that until yeah. That so, musical is so problematic. <laughs> I, uh, I never even considered that it was until like today. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I just had to point that out. So if you're watching Grease, you should uh, really yeah. consider. And there's so many other things that happen in that it's movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was, yeah. Yeah. It was my f- daughter's favorite movie. When she was uh, oh, mine like too. a teenager or, you know, younger even, like 13, 12. Yeah. And uh-huh. I I could not stand it. I mean, the songs are fun. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? I, I, I can't stand <laughs> you it. You couldn't stand no, it? No, I can't stand it. Did you feel it was problematic yes. back then? I've, I've hated oh, that my, movie since been... I was 13. Eyes... <laughs> Holy smokes. Beth. You are more evolved than all of no. us. No. I just... I never considered. Well, the, I mean, besides the fact there's no black people, well, yeah. I never could. I was like, but the, I never d- thought of it as like a problem. The ending of the movie. Come on. She she changes her whole persona uh, to please him. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. so gross. <laughs> so. Bad Sandy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm falling over over here. <laughs> this is so unnecessary. But <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of There's issues. There's a lot of issues. And and you know the songs are fun. The, the songs are fun and they're very catchy and you know, Olivia Newton John, you know, it's there's yeah. like uh, Well fuck that bitch. I was more into Rizzo. I could Rizzo. To oh yeah, Rizzo. Yeah. <laughs> True that. <laughs> 
was like the closest thing to a black lady in the movie. So I was like, yeah, Rizzo. Yeah, she had a smart mouth too. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that was a big tangent. Let's go back. Uh, so uh, Rhonda Dunn, she was overpowered and strangled. And uh, Conde disposed of her body by driving it to another location and leaving it on the side of the road. She was found at 6.35 a.m. lying face down in the front yard of a house under a small palm tree about a block north of the Tamiami Trail. Rhonda was the first victim to be killed on a weekday, non-holiday, and she was the first one that they found beaten. All of the other victims had been killed on weekends or holidays and had been strangled in a way that left no trauma on the body. Yeah. So he's escalating. Yeah. No? I think so. Uh, while talking with co-workers about Miami's elusive killer, Rory Conde said, he's a smart guy. They're not going to get him. Um, what? <laughs> New- news articles at the time intimated that the murderer was behaving brazenly by leaving bodies in high traffic areas. But for the next five months, no new bodies were found. But on June 19, 1995, Conde took sex worker Gloria Maestre to his apartment. The going rate was $20 to $40 for a trick. That's a sex act in exchange for money. If she accompanied him to his condo. After they had sex, Conde bound and gagged the naked woman with duct tape and left her in the bathroom while Conde went to the courthouse to appear for a shoplifting charge. Priorities, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Gloria attracted the neighbor's attention after she partially freed herself, screamed, and pounded on the bathroom walls until the neighbors called police. Fire rescue personnel found Gloria, who was naked and bound, trapped in an apartment. Gloria pointed out her attacker from photos found in the house. While investigators, or while investigating the kidnapping, police found evidence in the apartment that linked the tenant to six murders. The apartment was rented by Conde, and he became a suspect in the murders. Great. Hmm. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so now we're going to get into the arrest. Uh, Conde was arrested on June 24th, 1995 at his grandmother's house in Hialeah. Hmm. Conde consented to searches of his apartment and car and the taking of saliva and blood samples. Oh, he must have thought that they wouldn't be able to like mm-hmm. tie him to anything. Or, or he just wasn't thinking about it. Uh, oh. He doesn't seem like he's a big thinker. Oh, the day after his arrest, Conde confessed, sobbing, that from September to January, he picked up six women, including one trans woman, along the Tamiami Trail. He took them to his condo, had sex with them, and then strangled or suffocated them. No big deal, guys. He put the bodies in his car and then dumped them in the middle of the night. Conde suggested to detectives his motive was his failing marriage. Uh, now, I only read this in one place, but supposedly Conde reported that he raped two more women after killing Rhonda Dunn. And when asked why he didn't kill them, he cited the possibility that he would return to his family. Huh? I don't know if that's true <laughs> or not, but he did tell investigators that the five-month gap between Rhonda Dunn's murder and Gloria Maestra's abduction was due to a reconciliation with his wife. But oh I also wonder if, uh, you know, Rhonda Dunn 
put up a fight as we were talking about. That's right. And maybe he didn't like that. Yeah. It freaked him out. <laughs> freaked him out. Yeah. Yeah. And gave so him, I'm thinking gave that him was probably pause. like, maybe I should rethink this whole raping and serial killing thing. I don't know. Yeah. Well, he lost, he lost some power and he probably did not like that. Oh, see, that's why you're the OG of true crime, Beth. That's, <laughs> that's why we need you in our lives. <laughs> So, the search for the Tamiami Trail Strangler was one of the biggest manhunts in Miami-Dade County. The police said that they had 108 investigators on the case. They had 5,000 leads, and Conde was number 4,919. Can you believe it? He escaped the authorities. Yeah, I mean, imagine if they gave up. He escaped the authorities for so long because no one suspected him. His neighbors said he was a friendly suburban father and never bothered anyone. He even helped out in the community if someone needed something. Conde was caught because he let his his victim live. So, And uh, DNA evidence linked Conde to six murders, and Conde wrote, actually wrote a 174-page confession. In each of the six murders, Conde strangled his victim from behind at his house, mm-hmm. then performed anal sex on the dead body before dumping the bodies near the Tamiami Trail. Okay. He also stated that after each murder, he knelt over the deceased body and verbally blamed the victim for his marital problems. Conde was charged with six counts of first-degree murder. Um... I think it'd be hard to talk to a dead body. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I can't even talk to like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who can respond? Stuffed animals, yeah. Or... <laughs> just, Whatever. Just, seems like it would be difficult. But anyway, so then he Weird. goes yeah. to trial. Right? Conde is faced with separate trials for each murder. The first of which would be for the murder of Rhonda Dunn. That's the one who fought back on the basis of DNA, fiber, tire, and shoe evidence. Together with medical testimony and Condi's confession, the jury found Condi guilty of first-degree murder. In the penalty phase, the state alleged the existence of three aggravators. Condé was previously convicted of a felony involving the use or threat of violence. The murder was especially heinous, atrocious, or cruel, and the murder was committed in a cold, calculated, and premeditated manner without any pretense of moral or legal justification. Condé proffered the following statutory mitigating circumstances. He had no significant history of prior criminal conduct, Um, The murder was committed while under the influence of extreme mental or emotional disturbance and his capacity to appreciate the criminality of his conduct or to confirm his conduct to the requirements of law was substantially impaired. That's bullshit. Uh, (laughs) He presented (laughs) he presented three mental health experts to try to support his claims. But guess what? (laughs) Nobody fucking believes you. (laughs) Conde also presented evidence of non-statutory mitigation, (laughs) primarily relating to his marital difficulties and family background, including physical, emotional, and sexual abuse, through the testimony of several family members and friends. The jury recommended the death penalty by a 9-3 to vote. 
Judge Gerald Bagley concurred with the jury's recommendation and sentenced Conde to death. Conde 34 said nothing and appeared drowsy during the 45-minute sentencing hearing. Conde filed an appeal with the Florida Supreme Court in April of 2000. In April 2001, as part of a plea bargain, Conde pleaded guilty to the remaining five murders. In return, he was sentenced to five consecutive life sentences. As a condition of the plea deal, if Conde managed to get his death sentence overturned, he could not try to vacate his guilty pleas to the killings of Lazaro Comasana, Elisa Daphne Martinez, Charity Faye Nava, Nava, Wanda Cook Crawford, and Nicole Christina Schneider. Conde would return to court on September 4, 2003, to find that he had failed to get his death sentence overturned. So, where are they now? (laughs) Well, (laughs) a Florida judge sentenced Conde to death in 2000 uh, for for the death of Rhonda Dunn. (laughs) Conde decided to plead guilty to the murders of his five other victims and was sentenced instead to five life terms in 2001. He is... (laughs) 51 years old. <laughs> if you're listening to this at work, <laughs> you might want <laughs> you might want to warn your neighbors. <laughs> he is 51 years old and living in a Miami prison. <laughs> so, so let's talk about what made him snap. Um, well, his wife left him and took the kids when she found out about his ex capades with sex workers and after that he started to kill his mother dying at such a young age and his history with sexual and physical or uh, psychological abuse at the hands of family members did not help yeah here's another guy who had a terrible childhood mm-hmm. funny mm-hmm. how that happens yes uh, <laughs> terrible childhood nice and then they become terrible serial killers or just awful people I yeah know. it's In his defense during trial, Conde alleged that he snapped when he discovered that the first victim, Lazaro Jessica Comasana, was Mm -hmm. actually male. He claimed that the site brought back memories of childhood sexual abuse. I don't know if that's true or not, but clearly he enjoyed the murder because he kept on killing. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't uh he didn't stop. He um, didn't stop, yeah. <laughs> so, um now we're just going to chit-chat about what we thought about takeaways, yeah. Takeaways. So, um I'll start. Uh I believe Conde was problematic before he started killing, um and that eventually he developed an intense hatred for sex workers um after they in his mind, ruined his life. Yeah. Um, but I think this guy was a total asshole. <laughs> uh, show you right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know he was abused as a child, um, mm-hmm. but get some fucking counseling instead of beating up your wife and killing people. <laughs> 
I hate when people won't take responsibility for their own horrible actions and constantly blame something or someone else for them. It pushes all my buttons, I think, because it's something that my brother does. Nothing is ever his fault. Uh, Take some fucking responsibility and get some counseling. But, you know. Yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. You know, he was probably a psychopath, so Mm -hmm. that was never going to happen. Psychopaths are incapable of introspection. I didn't know that. Yeah, they just don't. Just don't go there. So counseling wouldn't have helped? No. The, no. Okay. Oh, oh, no. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they're actually, uh, counseling is actually uh, counter, uh, what, what is it? Contraindicated. Uh, contraindicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we so smart. Because <laughs> for psychopaths, um, they actually, they learn from counselors how to manipulate people better damn it so counseling does not help them it actually well it helps them in a different way (laughs) oh i didn't know that oh that's yeah well that's scary yeah i know um so also something else that disgusts me about this guy was that he met his wife when she was 13 Mm -hmm. and he was 19 and these kind of guys they prey on young women and girls she was a girl Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, who are too young, a child, and naive. Just a baby. Yeah, she was a child, mm-hmm. and uh, they're too young and naive to know any better. Uh, mm-hmm. They're t- too young to know who they are. They haven't figured mm-hmm. that out yet, mm-hmm. um, and they are too young to even know what a relationship is, what it is. You know, right? I mean, mm-hmm. ugh, gross. And then yeah. the older men mold them to their liking and it just makes me sick. Mm. And anyway, I hate this guy. <laughs> yes. He deserves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like your takeaways, man. <laughs> You're on fire today. Uh, so, if you love true crime and you don't want to die, Here's a tip for you. <laughs> uh, this segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of the segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. But this is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's mistakes. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. So I uh, noticed two themes throughout this case, domestic violence and sex work. I found some tips on uh, sexworkisreal.com and uh, it offered also, along with the tips, a healthy list list of additional resources. Um, So we'll link it up in the show notes. But um, just a few. Trust your gut. Somebody feels creepy. You don't have to accept that job. Yeah. And something else I was going to say was like, I was listening to another podcast this week and they were like, don't be so uh, worried about if somebody else is going to be offended. You know, mm-hmm. just trust mm-hmm. your gut. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your survival depends on it. Uh, when booking and accepting work, check the number and the address. Um, you can, there's um, websites and databases where you can um, 
search somebody's um, contact information just to make sure if they haven't been flagged already by previous sex workers. Um, accept your money on upfront. If you have money from other jobs, stash it somewhere safe. Um, sex workers, um, I, 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 I read that some sex workers ha- uh, like to tell their clients that they are transgendered ahead of time and that them doing this is a way to keep themselves um, less likely to encounter violence um, if it were to be found out later. Um, This one was a good one, I thought. Avoid wearing necklaces or scarves or anything around your neck that can be used to strangle you with. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, make sure yourself... I know. I I will never wear a necklace or a scarf ever again. Make sure your <laughs> cell phone is fully charged when you grow up, go out and that it's programmed with emergency numbers. Um, they also said things like um, wear, um, consider your footwear when you're going out to um, work. Oh, yeah. um, you know, because you got to be able, you might have to run away really fast. So yeah. you might have to run. So can your shoes slip up real fast? Uh, are they, are they, you know, can you run in the shoes? So think about those things. And then um, if you ever have to report an incident to the police, um, consider getting in touch with an agency who can help get you an advocate so that you aren't treated like shit um, Very good idea. or like yeah. a number by the police and that you're not ignored. Um, sex work can be dangerous, but I think the industry has evolved and networks have emerged like sex workers rights groups and sex worker um, networks where they track dangerous johns um, or dangerous areas. Um, they have news and resources Um they can network and educate each other to prevent harm in their community and promote safety and professionalism. We can provide links to some of those networks in the show notes, but I found, like I said earlier, some tips. Um, And if we have like sex worker fans, um, and if you found any of this useful, if you know a sex worker in your life and you care about that person, um, share these tips with them. Um, And if our listeners have other tips to um, provide that we could share with our networks, that would be cool too. One tip that I do not want to even see on my timeline is don't do sex work. Mm -hmm. That's not a tip. (laughs) Um, There are lots of reasons why people work in the sex industry from it's liberating and they love it to it's necessary to survive and even modern day slavery. So Mm -hmm. um, don't judge. Um, For domestic violence, help. Um, If you or someone you know may be a victim of domestic violence, there are resources that can help men, women, and children get out of that situation. It's not uncommon for victims of domestic violence to end up dead at the hands of their abusers. Amen? So don't suffer in silence. You are not alone. Um, The organization RAIN, it stands for Rape, Abuse, uh, an incest national national network rain.org has a confidential hotline that can help you can call 800-656-HOPE that's 800-656-4673 to be connected with a trained staff member uh, from a sexual assault service provider in your area also the national domestic violence hotline uh, is 1-800-799-7233. This will all be in the show notes. They also have a website for help. Again, that's 1-800-799-7233. Um, so now let's get into some shit. Yeah, I have nothing else to add. Those are all great, great oh, thank tips. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, I hope that people find it useful and helpful. 
This next part of our show is um, where we shout out um, content by people of color or about people of color or any true crime goodies. And um, I've got one. Um, I just want yeah, go to, ahead. thank you, recommend a podcast that I listened to recently called um, It's About Damn Crime. And um, I think one of our um, Facebook discussion group listeners recommended this one. Yeah, they um, did. Uh-huh. So much. Um, tired of hearing the same old true crime stories? Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to It's About Damn Crime, a true crime podcast where the co-hosts Brittany and Justine discuss um, true crime cases featuring people of color. So uh, give it a listen. I recommend it. Um, th- they promise that uh, they will be brand new cases. We've all heard about, I don't know, name a white guy, Beth. Who's the white guy? Ted we, we've Bundy. heard of all of them already. <laughs> yeah. uh, the East Area Rapist. Or... <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of them. All the, all the, all the white guys. We, all we've the white guys. Heard it. BTK, yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer. So many, so many white guys. It's chock full of white guys. <laughs> so There's just so many. Um, but these guys uh, tell us about the true crime stories that we have not heard about before. And it is a really good show. It is really fun. Um, the hosts are really funny. Um, and uh, I, <laughs> I wanted to mention, like, I hate to do the, so what are you? People ask that of mixed race people all the time. <laughs> or, uh, you know, like, like, like they ask people, I get asked that a lot because I, I'm bilingual. And so people uh, like it a lot of, so, um, what, what exactly uh, are you? What, what exactly are you? Um, and it's super problematic when a white person does it to a person of color. But, um, <laughs> I, 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 when I first listened to the show, I admit that I was like, cause I was concerned. Are, is it a bunch <laughs> of like, white what are you just talking? <laughs> are these just a bunch of white ladies talking about people of color? But, um, so I, my brain did go there, but, um, down dog, I understand. Um, I believe that they are actually, uh, they, they are women of color. Um, and, uh, there is also some LGBTQ representation among the hosts. So, um, it's a good show. It's fun. It's cool. funny. And if you love to crime, subscribe. All right. So I just wanted to recommend a podcast that I listened to recently. It's another one and done. I think there's like six episodes. Um, oh, it's called uh, My Aryan Princess. What? And it's yeah from the Dallas Morning News. It's about a woman who became a confidential informant against the Aryan Brotherhood, and Ooh. as you might imagine, it's very disturbing. But it's also really, really fascinating. Okay. I'm looking for this right now. Anybody says disturbing, I come a running. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, what? Let me, let me, let me have disturbing. some of that. <laughs> you mean I'm going to have nightmares? Fix me a plate. Oh, right. Fix me a plate at the cookout, at the at the Aryan Princess cookout. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm here on um and and i have to say there's some torture in there so oh my favorite what's it called (laughs) aryan aryan brotherhood aryan princess my aryan princess yeah found it thank you okay you're welcome it's on google podcast i just i burned through it did you really oh yeah i I listened to it all in one sitting yeah oh my god well i was i was cleaning the house 
I wasn't Ooh. actually sitting. I was cleaning the house. Uh, I Yeah, you know what? I'm going to shout out to podcasts in general because they made cleaning the house so much more pleasant. <laughs> Don't they, though? Don't they, yes. though? You know what? Excuse me. Let me find my... Um... <laughs> My hip hop air horn here because they absolutely do. Yes. Podcasts make everything better. Make everything better. <laughs> yep. They do. So, so Beth, where can the people find us? Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod. And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod, and links to our sources will be in our footnotes. That's right. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app, which you can download to your phone, or you can find online at cash.me forward slash dollar sign Fruit Loops Pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page, patron dot podbean dot com fruit loops pod or forward slash fruit loops pod but don't worry about it because this will all be all on our uh, footnotes and everything so that's right if you missed it just look that up you don't have to memorize mm -hmm. that and uh, <laughs> this will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting and there's no minimum even a dollar would help so guys this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every thursday so until next time look alive guys it's crazy out there <laughs>
To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. Clueless.